our client group has a quite a high proportion of, of clients with vulnerabilities, and we've, we've, we've for a long time been keen to um, work with them to engage and, and, and engage with people with particular vulnerabilities in a better way. Um, people are often ashamed to get help about their debt problems, um, and particularly if people have vulnerabilities that aren't being recognised um, and supported. Um, that engagement is that bit harder. So just as an organisation, in order to be effective, we need to have a very good approach to identifying and helping our vulnerable customers. You are listening to Inclusive Service Kite Mark, a series from The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards. A lot of the stakeholders we work with, creditors in particular, who refer so many of their customers to us for help, um, are very keen to ensure their customers are looked after in the right way. And this, this is a very visible representation of the work we're doing around vulnerabilities. So, so we're extremely pleased. It's, it's something that's, that we've been, we, you know, we, we were interested in the stand when we first heard about it and we're delighted to be literally the first debt advice organisation to get it. Hello, this is Matthew Childs and welcome to Inclusive Service Kite Mark, a series from The Standard Show a series which showcases the experiences of organisations who have achieved this particular kite mark. Now, we can all become vulnerable at any time. This can be through disability, ill health, financial hardship or life events such as relationship breakdown. But with the right practices in place, being in a vulnerable situation doesn't mean it has to be more difficult to make smart and informed choices. So, to help consumers have confidence in services when they need them most, and to allow organisations to demonstrate their best inclusive service practices, BSI created the Inclusive Service Kite Mark Scheme. The scheme combines the best practice from the international standard ISO 22458 for consumer vulnerability and the requirements of some of the UK's leading regulatory bodies. It's all about helping organisations to do the right thing when it comes to inclusive service. The BSI Kite Mark has been informing the decision-making of consumers and organisations for over 100 years. It's recognised as a symbol of quality, safety and trust. Kite Mark certification means that a claim about a product or service has been independently and repeatedly tested by experts. In this series, you'll hear organisations describe some of the improvements they made to the way they do things to achieve the inclusive service kite mark. What achieving the kite mark has meant to them in terms of delivering positive outcomes for consumers and the advice they would give to other organisations looking to start their own journeys to achieve this kite mark. This episode of the series is about the experiences of PayPlan, the financial services and debt advice provider. And the voice you heard at the top of the episode was that of PayPlan's managing director, John Fairhurst, speaking to me at an event celebrating PayPlan as one of the first organisations to achieve the inclusive service kite mark. All about PayPlan's motivations for wanting to achieve it, and also their pride in being the first debt advice organisation to do so. Now, a reminder that you can subscribe to The Standard Show wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find and follow us on social media too. All of the details are in the show notes, and the show notes is also where you can find links to more information about The Kite Mark and other content featured in this episode. So, after The Kite Mark celebration event, I caught up with John again, and also Emma Gibbons, 
PayPlan's Vulnerable Client Manager to talk more about the Kite Mark and how it works alongside the regulation of the financial services sector in the UK under the FCA, or Financial Conduct Authority. But I started asking John about how they celebrated achieving the Inclusive Service Kite Mark. One thing we did do was cascade it through to our staff, and I think it was you know it was great to talk about what the what the kite mark means for us, what it what it shows about us, and what we're keen to do is just to sort of try and reinforce in the minds of our staff what what we wanted to achieve from an organisation perspective. What's what's the sort of culture of inclusive services that we as an organisation wanted to deliver? And I think you know the kite mark was a very good way of articulating that. And I know that Emma, uh, you might have to talk about this, Emma spoke a lot to our external stakeholders, particularly those that we work with who who support vulnerable consumers. Yeah, absolutely. We certainly did that. So not only did we cascade that to um, all of our um, colleagues, all of our um, operational teams um, to celebrate the the fact that we've you know, we'd been awarded the kite mark, but we also cascaded it all out to our external partners. Um, we have a, a long list of different external partners that, that we work with that really support us in meeting the needs of um, our clients that do have those wider support needs. So we were really proud to be able to cascade the information out to all of those that we had actually achieved the inclusivity kite mark. So yeah, we really celebrated it by by sharing the sharing the news, I guess. <laughs> it's always a good idea, sharing in that success and celebration. That's a really Really, really good yeah. internally yeah. and externally yeah, yeah. And, and I think it also helps us to sort of try and set expectations for what we expect yeah. from our partners now Emma sticking with you then so I mean, going back to the kite mark scheme itself you know how uh-huh. easy did you find the kite mark scheme and assessing it against your organization's processes yeah well to be honest we it was a really straightforward process for us um um, you know, we've at PayPal, we've always been working with the FCA vulnerability guidelines, and we've been doing that ever since the occasional paper was first launched way back in, in 2015. So therefore, we've always had those documented policies, procedures, and really that government structure in place. So the main exercise for us was matching up the, the controls that we had in place and therefore against the scheme by doing that gap analysis. Um, and that really helped us to complete the, the risk assessment that we conducted to understand any areas where there may have been any weaknesses um, and then uh, uh, what further measures would maybe need to be taken to, to fulfil those controls and those requirements. And then, of course, with working towards consumer duty um, that um, goes live in July of this year, the, the Kite Mark scheme has really demonstrated that we do have those robust policies and procedures in place to achieve it. So um, for us, it was a, a really great exercise, um, but really reassuring at the same time that, yes, we did have those great policies and procedures and governance in place, but it was really great to be able to see that we could evidence it as well, that it was really embedded into our organisation. So that was really good for us. We are slightly unusual in terms of the people who've just achieved this kite mark in that we have been FCA regulated for many years now um, and, and as Emma says we've been following the FCA vulnerability guidelines so and, and this you know this kite mark formed a very good it timed very well for us because as Emma also says we're now preparing for some new FCA regulation on consumer duty and one of the things consumer duty does is talk to us much more about how we evidence that what we're doing is 
helping vulnerable clients, how we evidence that vulnerable clients are actually getting better outcomes as a result of what we do. And, and we, we did find the Kite Mark very good preparation for that. Um, and it fitted in very well, as Emma says, to our preparations for the new consumer duty obligations that's come into force this July. I mean, John, you talk there about better, and I think that's a really important point. You know, organisations adopt standards and are trying to achieve kite marks in order to do things better. So, Emma, I'm interested in about improvements that you you made as an organisation. So maybe you could very could highlight, you know, three improvements that you that you made to achieve the kite mark. Well, for us, we as we were going through the process and we had a, um, a summary of, of the of the day that we had going going through the evidence and going through those controls, we didn't have any kind of like non-conformities, which was we were really proud of that as well. So, but of course, there are always areas to improve upon. So, one of the things that it has enabled us to to, to look at in readiness for the, the kite mark, but then to think about continuous um, improvement as well, was looking at enhanced to our website and then thinking about W3C compliance and um, more around accessibility. So that's certainly something that we looked at um, in terms of improving and as part of our continual improvement as well. I guess other areas that we did look at to improve upon was the formalisation of our voice of the agent processes as well. So talking to our staff and um, working with our advisors to really gain their feedback as well to ensure that the policies and procedures we had in place worked for them. So thinking more about the processes around that. Um, And then I guess thirdly as well, the addition of a continuous improvement forum to our existing governance structure. And then that really provided more focus in areas to really exceed that internal tolerance figures that we had for further analysis and for the action plans um, agreed. So working in those areas and looking at the evidence has, again, been really key for us in readiness for consumer duty as well. So, John, Emma, Emma's talked there about some sort of tangible improvements that the organisation made in order to achieve the kite market. At the beginning, we talked about the sort of the celebration internally and externally about achieving it. So I wonder, sort of a bit more intangible, really, you know, how how has achieving the kite mark brought you confidence, really, that you're, you're achieving positive outcomes for, for customers? Well, I think like many organisations, we've always felt we're doing the right thing for our vulnerable customers. We've always felt we're being helpful. Um, Obviously, the external scrutiny of an audit um, challenges us to to show that and to evidence that. Um, and I, I just think it's it's really helpful to have to have that challenge uh, because because you know it's it's one thing to feel you're doing the right thing, but it's easy to do that and not achieve the right thing, isn't it? Um, so just really really getting us to think a bit more about how we show that that's what's that's what's happening is is I think a really valuable part of this. It was just a really great period of, of reflection as well of, you know, what we have achieved so far um, and, and demonstrates that we are in a really good place and the outcomes that we deliver for, you know, our highly vulnerable clients are exactly as they should be. So it was a really great period of reflection for us as well. Just as a, as a, as a final thought then, maybe coming to you, John, I mean, what, what advice would you give to other organisations looking to start their own journeys to achieve this particular kite mark? Well, I think, you know, 
delivering good inclusive services is is about more than one component and i would just say think about the whole customer journey the whole customer experience and think about what your interventions are doing for your customers so it's not just about identifying who is vulnerable it's not just about delivering services that help people with particular vulnerabilities it's about doing all that in a way which is non-threatening to your customers and actually genuinely helps your customers get better outcomes. And, and a lot of this, from my perspective, is about how you measure that, how you satisfy yourself that what you say you're doing is actually achieving the results that you hope it's going to achieve. So I just, I just encourage people to really think through the whole process um, rather than just focus on, well, how many vulnerable customers do we have and what do our policies say? It's actually how that, how that is actually interpreted by those customers you're trying to help. I would just say, yeah, to any other organisations who are thinking about doing it, that actually it's a really great exercise because it helps you to look at the processes and procedures you have in place, exactly as as John says. Um, you know, it talks about inclusivity across all of your clients, so it really allows you to to look at that to make sure that the organisation is 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 fit for everybody accessing your services, no matter what you know what their needs are. Um, so yeah, so my recommendation recommendation would be actually do you know what just just do it bite the bullet and do it because it, it's great grounding as well for continuous improvement if you are an fca regulated organization and if you're working hard at the moment to embed consumer duty within your within your operation this is a really valuable aid to doing that because this really helps you focus on the things that consumer duty wants you to focus on um, and so i'd really encourage you in terms of your consumer duty obligations to think about the the aspects of that which require detailed evidence and feedback etc etc and think about how well this this standard helps you do that and evidence that Um, and for us that's been a really fantastic benefit of this standard you have been listening to inclusive service kite mark a series from the standard show subscribe to the standard show now wherever you get your podcasts You just heard a stripped media production.